Welcome to the Ecom Breakthrough Podcast. Are you ready to unlock the full potential and growth in your business? You've already crossed seven figures in sales, but the challenge is knowing how to take your business to the next level. Join Josh Hadley, an eight-figure e-com business owner and investor, as he interviews highly successful business owners. Get ready, because you're going to learn specific actions you can take today to help your business reach its full potential and leave a lasting impact on the world. Welcome to the Ecom Breakthrough Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Hadley, where I interview the top business leaders in e-commerce. Past guests include Kevin King, Stephen Pope, and Roland Frazier. Today, I'm speaking with Steve Yates of Prime Guidance, and we're going to be talking about a lot of different levers that you can be pulling in your business to increase sales and grow to that eight figures and beyond. This episode is brought to you by Ecom Breakthrough Consulting, where I help seven-figure companies grow to eight figures and beyond. If you've hit a plateau and want to know the next steps to take your business to the next level, then go to ecombreakthrough.com. That's ecom with two M's to learn more. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to Stephen Yates. He is the CEO and founder of Prime Guidance. Steve developed well-rounded expertise working for multi-billion dollar Fortune 500 retailers such as Amazon, Dick's Sporting Goods, and eBay Enterprise prior to founding Prime Guidance in all industry consulting. With 30 years experience in retail management and 23 years experience in e-commerce, Steve and his team provide companies with strategic advice and innovative solutions that are based on real-life experience working for industry-leading retailers. He helps companies grow faster, smarter, and more profitably by providing advice, mentoring, and coaching for today's busy executives. So welcome to the podcast, Steve. Thank you, Josh. Thanks for having me. Well, you've, you've got quite the bio with a lot of experience, and so I'm super excited to have you on. I know you don't uh, you don't love to necessarily be in the limelight and have the that uh, spotlight cast on you, but I think uh, I'm excited for today's episode because you do have a wealth of knowledge that is really going to help our listeners. Um, you know, prior to jumping and hit on the podcast and hitting the record button, we had a great conversation that already spurred some ideas uh, for my own brand in just our brief conversation. And so uh, I know our listeners are going to take a look a lot of uh, actionable advice away from you today. But Steve, why don't you just dive in and tell us a little bit more about Prime Guidance. Uh, what is it? And then the role that you play there and how it came to be. Sure. So um, I'm the CEO of Prime Guidance. And uh, Prime Guidance came about in 2014. And I was at Amazon. And several uh, colleagues had asked me to start consulting for them. And, and it was just a, a great fit. What I realized was... I really enjoyed consulting. It made a lot of sense for me because I'm, 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 a, I'm a fixer guy. I love challenges. I love uh, creative thinking, thinking outside of the box and, and growing businesses. So when I started looking at other consultancies, I, first off, I found that most weren't actually consultancies. They were agencies. And those agencies did things that were typical of agencies, which I didn't think necessarily were very uh, client-centric. Uh, Amazon taught me that it has to always be all about the customer. And um, I didn't, when I, when I thought about would I want to hire an agency, I, I didn't necessarily agree with the fact that I would be locked into a long-term contract, charged a percentage of revenue, or, or even worse, ad spend. Um, and a lot of times they had a, a real strong person at the helm, but all their staff was either 
low-level staff that were only book smart and didn't have real-life experience, or they were overseas, and um, you really weren't paying for the level of professionalism that you thought you were getting. Um, So I determined that I was going to do something very different and found a true consultancy, someone that would truly act as a partner with our clients, help them grow their business in whatever way was good for them. So typically, these engagements start with actually coaching them, guiding them week by week, what should you be doing this week in your business and how do you how do you grow it? And then um, over time, we learn what they're good at doing themselves, what they have the resources and skill sets to execute on their own, what, what they need some help doing. And at that point, we're able to then layer on those levels of support. So if they need us to run their ad campaigns or, or optimize content or um, do full service management, we can do those things. But our methodology is always it's better to ingrain their team and change their DNA essentially to make them e-commerce and marketplace experts than to just outsource everything. So that's always her first and foremost focus. And then we will just fill the gaps wherever, wherever it's needed. So since, since uh, that point in 2014, we haven't advertised. All of our business has come through word of mouth uh, advertising because uh, we do good work and our clients tell, tell others. So it's been a fun ride and uh, we've helped hundreds of clients, over almost 500 clients uh, since we founded the company. And um, even though all of our engagements are month to month, people stay with us for years because we, we truly act as a partner and help them grow their business. So it's a much different model than you're probably accustomed to. Yeah, I, I think that that's what's really interesting is that you're different than the typical agency. I think so many people, there's a lot of Amazon agencies out there. And what they want to do is just, they're like, you just hand over the keys and we'll kind of take it over for you, right? We've, we've got, we'll manage your ad spend and we'll charge you a percentage of revenue from all of this, or we'll, we'll do full account management. Um, but they're, then they're juggling multiple clients at the same time. So what you're doing specifically is you're telling, I guess, other businesses to make sure I understand you correctly, come to me with your existing team. Let's have these conversations. Let me point out some gaps and let's even train up or coach your team so that they can start executing these strategies rather than, hey, yeah, don't worry about hiring your own team or having your, you know, having people do that yourself. We'll do it for you. Like you're trying to kind of push and help grow those businesses rather than trying to absorb and do it all for them. Is is that? Yeah, it's not. It's not uncommon for us to even help them devise their job descriptions and determine their roles and responsibilities. And then we can fill in all the gaps while they're building their team. But ultimately, my belief is that's really where you're going to see success. If you believe that Amazon and and marketplaces in general should be a strategic part of your overall growth strategy and your overall business mix, then why not invest in it? And why not really know what you're doing versus trusting someone blindly to run it for you? To me, that just never sat right. And you know, who wants to be locked into a long-term contract too. So literally as your business grows, your needs change. We change yeah. with you. So, you know, if, if someone leaves the company and, and now all of a sudden you need a, a, an interim leader, we can fill the gaps for that. If you need someone to, to run the ad campaigns till you hire someone to do that, we can do that for you or create content, whatever it is. But the, the, the key is it's all about developing your team, instructing them on what they should do, how they should do, you know, how they should analyze the business, um, how they should be thinking about future growth strategies and so forth. And then, uh, you know, basically, how can we help, essentially? 
It's a, it's yeah. a great partnership that, you know, and, and once we grow one channel, we just help, okay, where can we help you next? We, we got really far on Amazon. Let's move to Walmart. Let's move to international. We're, we're here to, we're here to help however we can. Awesome. So you help obviously with Amazon, but do you also help them with other sales channels such as Walmart, even Shopify? Uh, is that something that you do then is, is expand that? Yeah. So we become kind of like a holistic commerce partner, I would say. So um, we're like, for example, one of our clients, they, they had a dilemma on where they should, how they should structure promotions for Thanksgiving through Cyber Monday and so forth. And I actually recommended that we do a lesser promotion on Amazon than their e-commerce website because I felt that that was actually a better play because they could do some fun, creative promotions on Am- on their own e-commerce website that they couldn't do on Amazon, like mm. buy, buy multiple different products or something. Yeah. Um, that uh, That's not feasible on Amazon very well. And I want to make sure that there's, you know, there's always a, a little bit of a benefit for the VIP customers you have, where you have a direct relationship, you can email them and so forth. As to where if we were a typical agency that gets revenue on Amazon, I wouldn't think holistically about what's good for their brand. I would think about what are we going to do to drive our own revenue because I've got, you know, I've got uh, revenue at stake. That's not really a good place to be. So, uh, yes, we can help with uh, uh, Shopify to some degree. But really, we specialize in marketplaces. So Walmart, eBay, any marketplaces nice. uh, throughout the world is, is where we, we we specialize. I love that. I love that. And Steve, what is your kind of, I guess, agreement look like with brands? You know, how much do you typically charge? Or is it kind of like, hey, everybody's different, you know, mm-hmm. and the engagements are different. And it's kind of like custom tailored for people, just so people have an mm-hmm. understanding of like, you know, this is different than the normal agency experience. Yeah. So our uh, our starting price is twenty four hundred dollars a month. And we can go, you know, obviously as large as they need in some cases with interim management and stuff. It, it could be uh, extensive, but um, all of our engagements, no matter how big they are, are flat rate engagements or project based engagements and they're uh, month to month. So you can change it at any time. Uh, based on how your business needs change. Um, and um, one thing I didn't mention is when I say project-based, um, that, that would be something like we do work with like private equity firms that are looking to acquire a business, and we'll actually do a full assessment and help them understand, is this a business that you want to own and how much scalability is there and, and so forth. But most of our engagements are, are month-to-month. Um, simply, you know, what, what do you need of us this month? Here's how much it's going to cost. There's no surprises, um, and we don't we don't nickel and dime people or anything like that. Cool. No, I, I love that structure. It's also cool that you're working with you know a lot of private equity firms that are coming to you. So to say the least, you're getting a peek under the hood of a lot of great businesses. Maybe some that need help, but also some that are you know poised for exit. And you're seeing what's working there, or identifying yeah. the gaps of what can be improved for the next team that's going to acquire that business. So this is going to be an amazing conversation. One of the first questions I want to ask just kind of selfishly for myself, uh, because we're looking to expand onto different channels right now. Our business, we've grown to eight figures just on Amazon alone, but we're, we are looking to, you know, is, is it time to explore or double down more on Walmart, eBay, Wayfair? Do we try to get into target? 
do we go international, right, and start shipping stuff into Canada, Mexico, the U.K., et cetera? So my question to you here, Steve, is what kind of sales lift do you see from those different marketplaces, right? Like, what do you estimate as, hey, you go to Walmart, it, best case scenario, you're probably looking at a 10% lift. eBay, maybe it's a 2%, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. So it's a very tricky question because I've seen it wildly different. So if I had to, if I had to, to put a, a rough assumption across a lot of different categories and product lines, I would say Walmart is the, the very next marketplace you're going to want to focus on outside of Amazon. And by the way, don't do it until you're what I like to say, 80 to 90 percent optimized on Amazon. Don't spend your time on these smaller marketplaces because that's oftentimes the shiny object that gets you in trouble when you're doing a whole bunch of different things. You're not doing any of them well. Mm. You've got you to gotta be really well positioned on Amazon. And when I say 80 to 90 percent, I don't mean of your total opportunity for growth. But if you've identified all these levers you need to pull on Amazon, I need to have a good storefront, I need to have A-plus content, I need to have uh, all of these different components pulled together. Do you feel good about how well optimized they are and are they in place 80 to 90% of where they should be before you you know, start migrating to another marketplace? Because if you don't, you're essentially lifting and shifting a catalog that's not optimized to another marketplace. And now all of your optimization efforts are going to be that much harder because you're mm. doing full optimizations across a whole bunch of marketplaces. That's a that's always a risk. Um, I would say Walmart is probably uh, in the neighborhood of ten to twenty percent of okay. the Amazon business, and eBay is probably in the neighborhood of ten percent, maybe five to ten percent of the uh, of the the Amazon business. Um, but it really does differ quite a bit. I've seen some. I've seen some people that actually sell more on Etsy than they do on Amazon because their product is sold out after on that website. I've seen people that do phenomenal on eBay, even though eBay is, you know, not, not growing. It's, yeah. it's it just so happens that there are customers there. And that's oh. why it goes back to uh, analyzing where your customers spend their time and money and make sure you're present there. Do it in the right order, but ultimately make sure you're, you're present there and where you go next is not a cookie cutter answer just because everybody else goes yep. to this next Walmart, you know, Walmart next or eBay after that or whatever doesn't mean that's the right cadence for you. So take a step back, think about your product, your customer, where should you be? And to piggyback off of that, let's say there's a lot of brands that have been able to, you know, build their entire brand on Amazon, but really haven't spent much time or they haven't even thought about creating their own D2C website, right? Whether it be on mm -hmm. Shopify, WooCommerce, et cetera. When do you recommend brands, you know, open up that D2C, you know, their own website? How important is that in this overall strategy? Because as you know, like that is a beast in and of itself and having to babysit yet again, kind of another channel that this one's your own. So I actually recommend an e-commerce store on like, for example, Shopify, it's easy, easy platform. It's inexpensive. I would recommend that really early on. Like that should be launch on Amazon and launch on your, your own e-commerce website and pretty, you know, pretty good cadence together. Um, and the reason being is it's multifold. One, if you're planning to sell the business, now you're not just an Amazon seller. You are a brand with multiple sales channels. You're also able to then 
capitalize on the customers that go to Amazon. Say, hmm, I never heard of this brand before. I wonder what they are, uh, what they're all about, that end up going to your e-commerce website to learn more. Well, now you've got them cookied. You could have a pop-up modal to capture their email address. Those customers are going to be more valuable because those become the loyal brand customers. And then there's ways that you can you can deploy with QR codes and stuff to say, hey, register your extended warranty here or learn how to uh, to assemble this here or, or find, you know, recipes, how to use it here or whatever, get them, give them a reason, some sort of a, uh, 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 helpful type of content or, or program that would be useful for the customers that you ultimately get them to your website. And before they leave the website, I recommend a pop-up modal upon exit that, uh, hopefully is allowing you to capture their email address. And, and the more you can stay in touch, keep your brand front and center, the better. Um, so to me, even though you're not going to get a lot of sales velocity out of it, it's the right cadence to set yourself up for taking advantage of something that otherwise would have been lost. Yeah. I I think that's great advice and and, uh, a good recommendation for anybody. I think that especially if you're trying to establish a brand, I think there are a lot of people that go onto Amazon and then they go search for your website off of Amazon we all talk about, you know, product inserts and how do I capture the customer's email address once they purchase a product? Yes, that's good and important. But imagine being able to capture people's email addresses that simply looked at your Amazon product and then they go take a look at your own website, right? Imagine building an audience there of warm leads for your own. And not many people talk about that. So I love that you you brought that up, Steve. Um, by the way, Shopify is so easy that... It doesn't have to be this expensive endeavor. I had a client once that was paying $300,000 a year for Magento. And wow. because it was, it was, it was kind of a mess and she was just throwing more dollars into development to fix problems that they messed up the first time. And I said, why are you doing this? Shopify can get you 95% of where you're at in with, you know, 1% of the cost. And she actually launched it herself. This was a, a, a CEO and founder of Scrappy. She says, you know what, you're right, let me try it. And in one weekend, she launched her Shopify website. And that's the platform she was on, dropped the $300,000 expense. And uh, it doesn't have to be the most robust. It, it, just use a standardized template, fill in the imagery, use standard features to get out of the gate. And then as your business grows, you invest more and more into refinements. Cool. No, that's great recommendation and good advice. So, Steve, you mentioned earlier before people really start exploring other sales channels, if you've Mm -hmm. built a good sized business on Amazon, um, make sure that you've optimized or you've pulled, you know, 80 to 90 percent of the different levers. You've maximized the different levers you can pull on Amazon before you start going into these other channels, which I I love that thought process. I think that's important. Um, But, Steve, what are the can you give us a list? of the levers that people can pull on Amazon that can influence sales and help them grow their brand. Yeah. So I don't have a list of those levers off the top of my head, but I'll, I mean, I don't have a list in front of me or anything, but off the top of my head, I would say the key levers are, are you, are you, is your product page fully optimized? And that's a multi-part lever essentially. Do you have infographics? Do you have, and I'm kind of looking top of the page down, do you have an optimized title? Do you have a video? Do you have a brand story? 
Do you have A plus content? Do you are you using any pricing and promotional strategies, coupons, sale prices, promotion engine? Um, those are the important things on page that are going to influence your conversion rate as well as your organic traffic. That's a that's a really big one, and it's multifaceted. Um, if you're not doing those things, you need to be doing them. Or do you have all the backend keywords optimized? Do you have, uh, are you using Prime? Uh, are, you, are you leveraging all of the right things to do within your assortment? So, for example, sometimes people put, if they're selling in multiple channels, they put their best sellers on a channel and assume that their best sellers are the same on every channel. That's not the case. Are you testing your assortment to learn what works well and where do you have good positioning and then adapting that? Could I come up with a smaller size, bigger size, multi-pack? Uh, am I, uh, should I have new products that I'm bringing to market? Those are all things to consider. Um, am I advertising? And within advertisements, am I doing those, all the right types of advertising? Sponsored product ads are the no-brainer. You've got to be doing that. Um, it used to be optional on Amazon. It's no longer optional. You've got to, you've got to essentially um, uh, participate in advertising because if you're not defensively participating, your competitors are going to buy ads against you. And if you're, if you're not offensively advertising and your competitors are, there's a good chance that that is going to help them grow at a faster pace than you. That means more reviews for them, more traffic, more, more sales, uh, higher ranking. You've got to participate in it. Um, but are you doing all the different types of advertising? Are you using sponsored brand ads, sponsored display ads, and so forth? Um, all of those would be considered levers. Are you using different programs that you should be leveraging on Amazon? So, for example, Amazon has a program called uh, the uh, Amazon Attribution Program. And within there is a program called, or an option that you can sign up for called the Brand Referral Bonus. So that actually allows you to have a 10% kickback against your referral fees for any traffic you drive externally to Amazon. Are you leveraging that? Where could you be leveraging that? Your social media channels, your e-commerce website. Sometimes it's a good strategy to, to put not only a buy box on Shopify, but a buy on Amazon button to mm. link them to Amazon because more customers feel comfortable with that. You might actually increase your sales and conversion rates exponentially. And yes, is it many, maybe not as optimal, but at least it's only a 5%, if it's a 15% referral uh, fee category, you're paying 5% instead of 15%. So it right. really helps augment that. Um, so there's a lot of different programs that you can be leveraging on Amazon. Um, you know, if you're, um, uh, you know, small and lightweight, are you using the, the FBA uh, uh, small and light program? Are you... Um, are you uh, in all the betas that you should be in that Amazon offers for advertising and different programs? Do you have a brand store? Um, are you using Amazon Posts? Um, you know, the, the Amazon Posts is a free form of advertising that anytime you're doing a social post on Instagram or Facebook, you should definitely be posting that on, on Amazon as well. It helps you gain followers. And the more followers you have, are you sending customer engagement emails? Um, you know, these are all things that add up and they should all be done in the right cadence. But if you're not pulling all of these levers, you're missing something. Just be careful you pull them in the right order. Uh, a, a little bit of advice is don't drive a lot of traffic, whether it's external or internal, on product pages that aren't performing well. You've got to focus on 
that what I like to say is first focus on talking to the algorithm so I can get exposure. So um, am I, did I do all of the thorough keyword research and did I incorporate that appropriately? And then how do I optimize it for conversion? And once that has proven that, okay, now I'm getting the traffic and conversions, that's when you start doubling down on the advertising. Yeah. So everything needs to be done the right cadence. Uh, I absolutely love that, Steve. And um, I don't want to cut you off there because I think that that is the next step that I think is extremely important. And you were just diving into it, right? Is what is the correct cadence? And I think first and foremost, you're saying, make sure you've optimized your listing page first before a lot of these other things are, how do we send more traffic to our listing, such as PPC or, you know, the engagement emails from Amazon or posts and all of that stuff. It drives more traffic back to the listing. But if the listing is having issues and your conversion rate is not good, well, you're just further compounding the issues here. So, Steve, I think what will be important is like, how do people know, like, hey, is my conversion rate at 5%? Is that a good conversion rate? Or is 15% good? Like, how do how do brands know if their conversion rate is is good? Because it changes for every product category, right? Yeah, yeah, it really does. So it's important to measure as much as possible against your peers in your category. Now, not all of that's available. There are um, um, there are some tools that Amazon provides, and there's external tools that provide estimates. Um, but the most important thing is looking at if you one thing you can gauge is uh, your product, your your referral fee. I mean, your uh, uh, metrics across all of your assortment. At, at just looking at that data without any external data, oftentimes we can see where the problem lies. So, for example, a company comes to us and says, "Hey, our business is down. We don't know why." <clears throat> well, what what did you what did you find from looking at the metrics? And my, the most typical answer is, "I don't know what you mean by that. I don't know why." Well, <laughs> well, is it? Are you seeing a, a decrease in traffic? Okay. Well, are you noticing that that traffic is organic? Or paid, that's, are you decreasing in one of those two areas? Uh, are you seeing click-through rates get lower? Uh, meaning customers, for whatever reason, you don't look as compelling on the search result page because maybe your competitor has a better price or they've got a better image or title, so people aren't clicking in to your, your products as much. Is it the conversion rate? What is the data telling you? But typically, if the, if, as I mentioned with the click-through rates, that means generally you've got a problem with one of only a few levers. You've got an issue with your main image, your title, your price, um, or um, really, I guess it's those those three. It could be promotions also could, could have a play there. Um, but once you land on the page, if they're not adding products to their cart and checking out, what is it about my product page that's not convincing the customer to move forward? Am I not telling them everything they need to know? Is it, uh, uh, is it not compelling enough? Um, am I saying something wrong, something that's off-putting? Oftentimes, it may look visually compelling, but if you're not telling them something that's important in their decision-making process quickly and succinctly, then they're just backing out. Amazon paid customers are impatient. You need to, in a matter of seconds, portray what is, what is it about this product that is the right fit for that customer. And if you miss one of those, you're out. Um, so taking a step back, even sometimes asking peers and say, hey, 
what would you what would you need to know to buy my product? These five things. Okay, let's look at these things. Are they easily understood? Actually, this one's not understood. That is a problem to diagnose why I'm not converting, and you've got to uh, you've got to improve those levers. And one of the things I would suggest there is infographics should be used because so much of the traffic is on mobile. You want to have those infographics to really allow customers to make a choice on whether that's the right product. Strictly with images, they flick through a couple images, they should see all the key points just in in the images. Um, Make sure you have a video because Amazon quotes a 3.6 time increase in conversion rates when Amazon Amazon customers watch a video. So not Mm -hmm. everyone's going to watch it, but when they do, you have your chance to really sell the product. Uh, A-plus content, it doesn't you know, help from an organic perspective, but it has a big impact on customers' impression of the product. And sometimes people get in the trap of trying to go after the fancy modules versus the ones that actually are going to portray those those points succinctly. Um, so it's got to be a balancing act, but um, it's the data will essentially tell you what the problems are and what you need to fix. No, I, I love that. All right, so I think we could diagnose each of those really quick. And I think you did, you did a really good job of saying, Hey, is it an impressions issue or is it a click through rate issue or is it a conversion rate issue? And then there's different levers that you can pull to identify or to kind of resolve those issues. So let's start at the top, Steve, if, if you have an impressions issue, what would you be doing? What are the levers people should be pulling if they notice while I'm losing some impressions? Yeah, well, I would say one of the most common things is their advertising. They probably got beat out by a competitor, and they're no longer winning the same number of ad placements they were before if their impressions have dropped drastically. So it could be that they are not adjusting their bid amounts and getting the paid traffic, but it also could be that something's changed algorithmically that Amazon is you know, basically suppressing some of their search terms. So I would use an index checker like Helium 10 to see are all my terms on my page being indexed appropriately. And uh, look at uh, ranking. Are you tracking the ranking for your top search terms? Do you see ranking declining and why? And start investigating who's winning the ranking. Why am I, why am I no longer performing on this, on this front? Um, that that's the kind of stuff that I'd be doing uh, first and foremost. Yeah. What do you do when you're losing ranking? Because I think it kind of correlates with like, well, your conversion rate might be low, right? And so you're starting to slowly drop there. You know, let's say you are losing organic ranking. What what do you do? It like, what's your first steps there to try to resurrect that? Yeah, it could it could be a a subtle ranking decrease or a drastic ranking decrease, and I think that. It, depending on how that looks, your, your levers and what you do may change. But one of the things I would do is say, okay, if I was Amazon on that particular term, do, do I paint the right picture for the algorithm? For example, I may only need to put that term in the title, bullet points, description, or somewhere, right, to be ranked. But if I have it in one placement only, am I telling Amazon that this is really what I'm selling or not? Um, because sometimes you might you might put something that says like works with an iPhone in one placement. Well, Amazon knows that it's not it, they they it, it may not be an iPhone if it's just referencing that. But if you say iPhone the title, iPhone in the bullet points, iPhone in the description, you're saying this is something that either is an iPhone or works with an iPhone. 
and Amazon sees that more clearly in their algorithmic decision making. Um, if it's only listed one place, they think it could just be a sporadic reference to something. Um, so make sure that you're painting that picture and that you believe that you've overcome any potential concerns there. Next, I would say, like you said, it could be the conversion rate issue. It could be that conversion rates have dropped and now my sales velocity is impacted. So I'm just not getting the same velocity that's going to give me that ranking. Um, look into look into that, and it could be uh, that you made a recent change on your page. It could be that, you know, what I find is that a lot of times people make changes based on their emotions or feelings, like, oh, I know this is going to work better. Don't do that. Use Amazon experiments to test. You can test the main image, you can test the title, and you can test the A-plus content. Don't change a bunch of things at once. Change one thing at a time, put it in experiments, and measure and think ahead. Don't wait until fourth quarter to test. Test prior to that so you can put your best foot forward during the peak seasons. Um, and there's third-party tools like Splitly and stuff that you can use to test alternate images and, and other uh, other components that Amazon doesn't allow you to test. Um, but it, a lot of times it's kind of self-cost or they made a change and now Amazon re-indexed that listing and thought it's not what it, we thought it was originally and they did the harm. So always save every single category listing report or, or, or item setup template. Keep a master of that and always have all of the past iterations so you can always quickly revert back should you ever need to. Or if you have copy changes, make sure you, you, know, you don't forget what that old copy was. Have that in a repository so you can easily revert back if, if need be. Um, but you know, there's, a, there's a lot of things that could be happening. Obviously, um, your competitive environment is one of the biggest, right? Is are your competitor selling it cheaper? Just because they clicked into your page doesn't mean they didn't already see your competitor. If your competitor looked more compelling and is priced better than you, they could click in your page and actually not do You might be coming across just as well, but they're comparing you to someone else that looks better now. So are you paying attention to that? And maybe there's, you know, some, uh, some price, price point, uh, uh, fluctuations that have happened in the market that you need to adapt to. Yeah. I think the the list goes on and on, right? And I think it's yes. hard to, there's no cookie cutter approach as you no. mentioned, but I think you listed out a lot of good levers when it came to click through rate. I think you get, did a good job. I think you summed that up earlier by saying, Hey, with click through rate, if you're seeing that down, you know, work on your main image. It could be a component of price. It could be a component of maybe a coupon or something that you have had on there it would say yeah. go ahead what else and the title also you know, title. because title uh, especially if if uh, people are viewing it on mobile and you're not paying attention to how it's truncated maybe one of the most important messages is now truncated and not even seen um mm. so there's there's you know those are the main four four components okay and then outside of that you have the mm. conversion rate which we talked about and mm. with conversion rate what would be your quick go-to's um to increase in boost up conversion rate? Yeah, so I would say the the most impactful are gonna be the infographics and the A-plus content. I would also uh, make the bullet points as uh, easily understood at a, at a quick glance as possible. Um, all of your, both your, your infographics and your A-plus content needs to be optimized for mobile. Larger text, simple messages, get things across very succinctly 
Um, and, and most of you know, probably the, 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 the biggest thing is, am I giving the customers all that they need to know? Um, and if you're, if you're not, that's, that's a no brainer. You've got to make sure you're telling them what they want to know. Um, so, you know, survey, survey friends, family, colleagues, um, you know, are you, are you incorporating all the right decision-making criteria? That's especially an issue when people are selling products that they don't really fully understand themselves, where people mm. maybe gotten into a category just because they, they know that they can win in the category, but they don't, they don't, they're not a user themselves. And oftentimes it's, uh, if you're selling like home decor products, but you're not a purchaser of home decor products, well, how often am I going to change the home decor products? What would I want to, how would I want to relate it to other home decor products or what yeah. have you? Um, those things matter. And it, 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 it's not necessarily a data point that you can reference. It's something that is just a consumer purchasing behavior pattern that you have to really understand. Fascinating. Uh, I love that. So much detail to kind of dig through here. So I encourage our listeners. I know I'm going to need to go back, re-listen to this and go, you know, jot down some additional notes for our own optimization process. But this has been super valuable. Steve, do you have any case studies that you can share with us where brands come to you and said, hey, you know, we're down, we need help. And you were able to actually implement and pull some of these levers that we've previously discussed to, you know, help them grow their business even bigger. Yeah. So um, I'll give you one example of a company that's doing about 50 million a year on Amazon, but they were down 10% year over year. And they were in a category that was uh, now seeing a lot of newfound competition. Uh, the competition offered an inferior product, but what we found was that their product didn't have enough meat to why consumers should pay more. Um, so when we when we first were started working with, with them, we, we take, took a, a step back and said, okay, what's going on here? What does the data tell us? And what we've learned was that their conversion rates were severely impacted. Um, people just weren't converting the way they used to. And it wasn't anything to do with their product page per se. It was all the competitors that have now that now look really good up against their products that haven't changed. They were they were uh, they were effective before the competition really got strong, but now they need to one up that. Um, and that's that's by the way a, a good learning in and of itself. Always iterate, always continue to get better and better on Amazon, and keep an eye on your comp competitors because they're essentially using your product page, if you're the best seller out there, as their starting point. And the very next seller that at, you know starts competing against you is essentially already better than you from day one because they, mm -hmm. they took what you did, copied it, and essentially made it a little better. Um, so what we, what we did was help them build a strategy to say, okay, here's what's going on. We understand now what the impacts are. What are the levers we have to pull? And what we found was that most of it was just messaging. The quality of the product was good. Customers loved it once they once they purchased it, but it was now a big price disparity against new com competitors, and the customers need to be understood or need to be talked into why they should pay more. So we helped them understand all the content improvements they needed to make, and that was head to toe, new titles, bullet points, descriptions, A, A plus content, infographics. Um, all of the on-page content that were essentially going to be part of the purchasing criteria, and we help them, uh, you know, implement those one at a time. So the very first month, we were able to get them up or to flat. 
Um, the next two months, we were able to get them up 15%. Those are when a lot of the changes are happening, content uh, uh, things are rolling out. We're pulling, we're going after the low hanging fruit, the things that we can do quickly. Um, um, but a lot of that just takes work. You've got to, I mean, it was a large catalog of product that needed to be rolled out. Well, the, the very next month and the following year after that, we were up an average of 53% every month or every, every month, year over year. Um, wow. And and we're talking a $50 million business. So it was it was really, really impactful. And it took time. But once we did the right things and we knew that, okay, now we've fixed the problem, we could start really throttling up the advertising. So, again, it's, it's all about uh, strategically thinking about what the problem is, then executing it, making sure that you've now solved for the problem, and then grow the traffic. So it's really kind of coming back to the basics for that brand more than anything, correct? Like, it's like, hey, let's spend some more time on your detail page and maybe we're missing some videos, right? Let's build out the A-plus content, the brand story, just as you mentioned. None of this stuff is rocket science, right? These aren't black hat tactics. This isn't some amazing hack on ants, on Amazon. Like, this is yeah. simple, like, this is 101. Is, is that correct? Yeah, I would say it was more than 101, but it was more advanced advanced skills in each of those areas okay. that really mattered. But um, the the basics were there, right? So it wasn't uh, it, what what fixed their problem wasn't like you said some black hat tactic. It was it was doing all the right things they needed to do better than everybody else. That's the key, better than everybody else. So. And it's really challenging when your product is twice the price of your competitors. You've got to nail that. You've got to be, wow, I want to pay more for this. Like, this is something yeah. that just give me, you know, take my money. Uh, I need this. Um, and uh, that's not always easy to do. You've really got to uh, portray it in the right manner. Um, but, yes, I would say when you look back at all the success stories where we've helped companies grow exponentially, um, it is not that, 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 you know, black hat thing. It's not that, um, that, that one big thing they were missing. It's, it's a bunch of things that made a 10% improvement here, 5% improvement there. You know, those, those things really add up over time. And what happens is oftentimes it just gets set and forget, or it is done in a less than optimal manner. That's probably the most common thing. People say, oh, and I already optimized that. It's really good. Well, did you do it to your standards or did you do it to the best of breed standards where you're you're now, you know, setting up your products as well as Anchor is in, in the electronics category? Um, if you're not setting high standards, uh, you're not fully optimizing your opportunity. Fascinating. And that's actually why when we coach people on, um, you know, what they should be looking to emulate, it's rarely looking at their competitors. It's actually looking at here's a best of breed seller like Anchor, where they actually entered the space in a very crowded space with Mean products, and they were actually able to make such a big impact by the way that they presented their their products and merchandise and and helped customers understand why they would want to buy their product that they're now a billion dollar brand and are now selling in multiple channels. That's the kind of company you want to emulate. But Am but Anchor started on Amazon then is what you're saying, right? And it was just they built did. over solid solid performance and well optimizing Amazon, correct? Yeah. So if you look at them, that's a that's a good case study, right? So when they started, they started selling in uh, battery banks, 
Well, at the time, battery banks all looked like black boxes, and they essentially functioned the same. They had a 90-day warranty to a one-year warranty. They they didn't really – all they, they, they basically told people was, this is how many milliamps it has, how many ports it has, uh, things that basic criteria. Am, Anchor kind of took the Amazon or the Apple approach and said, customers don't know that. They don't really care about that. They care about what does it mean to them. So they started saying, okay, this product will charge your phone this many times. And they realized that customers were concerned about quality, so they added a bunch of safety elements. They did like a mm. diagram showing it cut open so you could see all of the interior components that essentially were the same as our competitors, but they, they made it look like, hey, this is way more safe. I trust this more. Then they added a larger warranty. They went to an 18-month warranty. Then they incorporated little product inserts in their products so that when you had a problem with it, you reached out to them directly. You didn't contact Amazon. So it kept their return rates low, kept their reviews high. And they did just a lot of things that were just spot on. And I think I still to this day use them as an example. Now, actually, they're not as good today as they were before because they've gotten a huge assortment and the company's grown and they're not as well-focused but they're still one of the best sellers on Amazon and someone that you should definitely pay attention to. Awesome. I love that. And I want to go back to the earlier, um, you know, mention that you had here. It's not just going with the basics, right? It wasn't 101 content optimization for this brand that you helped. Rather, you said it was more advanced, right? Maybe we're in the 301 course here, but uh, you also mentioned like a lot of brands come to you and they're like, it, everything is optimized. We have good infographics. We have good A plus content, right? But when you take a look at it, you're like, no, like there's there's still room for improvement. So what That's is right. that? Like, can you kind of summarize like what are those advanced like content detail page optimization tactics where people have already got the basics, they've built out images, videos, A plus content. What are the advanced side of that that people could be focused on? Sure. So it's it's a it's it really depends on what the problem is with their particular um, uh, product pages. But for example, infographics, we see a lot of infographics that they, they, they're too busy. They take too many points and they're not clear and clear and succinct. Anchor does a great job, job with clear and succinct. Many competitors don't. They have a lot of lines with call outs and images that don't relate to what it is. Anchor says, Hey, here's what here's here's the main call out, and here's a picture that kind of visually portrays what that call out is. So it just kind of resonates in your head, and you it's kind of an instant get. Um, so oftentimes it's just kind of looking at it with a more critical eye and saying, mm. "You did it, yes, check box, yes, but you missed the mark in these ways." And that might be as simple as making font bigger. It may be as simple as changing the background imagery. Maybe as simple as rearranging the the infographics to the to, to kind of sell them on the right most critical components of the product. It might be uh, the title that looks optimized, but the the words are in the wrong order, or they miss something that was critical, or something that's going to be uh, allowing them to win. In the bullet points, it could be that, uh, like for example, we like to not focus on the feature, but focus on the benefit. So, for example. What does that mean to me? Like, let, let's say we use the anchor example. It might be something like charges 
your iPhone seven times or something versus 14,000 milliamps. You know, that, that doesn't tell the customer what they need to know. So if you're adding the right things in the, in the bullet points, but it's not the, the most important point is not clear, you miss the mark. Same thing with the A-plus content. Um, oftentimes people use, like, for example, a lot of text on an image. Well, A, for, 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 first off, don't use a lot of text. Keep, keep your messages really clear. Try and use mostly visual elements there. Uh, don't make it wordy. Make it very instant get. Um, make sure you have a comparison chart um, to be able because if the goal is to get the customer to make that decision quickly, the decision may be that that's not the product they want, but rather than have them back out and find another and keep going through their search, you want them to say, oh, this brand actually has what I want. If you're not doing that, you're missing the mark. If you don't have a brand story, for example, and you're not able to qualify for A plus premium A plus content. If you don't have a brand story, you have no links to your storefront except for that little blue link at the top of the page. The brand story gives you that access to, to now say, look at all the product categories I have that you may not have thought of. So it's just a lot of things that we look at with a more critical eye, with a more advanced uh, level of criteria on what we think is good. Yeah, I love that, Steve. Again, I think this is a podcast that people are going to go need to hit repeat on, rewind a couple times, and jot down notes in a very detailed manner because you've shared a lot of great content um, and that are that's very actionable, right? I think everybody talks about, yeah, create better main images or create better infographics. But what you just shared is like, how do you make those in infographics better? So thank you so much for, you know, kind of that mic drop, I would say, of just like you left it all out there um, for all of us. So. Thank you for that. Now, before we wrap things up, I'm, I've got to ask you my final three questions. Um, but before we get to that, I love to leave the audience with three actionable takeaways from each episode. Here are the three takeaways that I noted, Steve. Let me know if you think I'm missing something. Um, action item number one and takeaway number one would be you've got to maximize those Amazon levers. Okay. First and foremost, would be focused on your product detail page um, and looking at the data behind that. That would be the impressions, the click-through rate, and then ultimately your conversion rate. Make sure you're focused on that listing to make sure that you've maximized everything, right? Are we getting people to click onto the listing really well? When people are on the listing, have we maximized everything that just Steve just talked about in terms of how you can take your content to the next level? That's the first thing that I would recommend any brand do. That's going to be something that we do with our own brand because then step number two, and I think this is where a lot of the shiny object syndrome kind of comes, especially in the Amazon ecosystem, is kind of driving traffic, right? I think your first takeaway with in terms of driving traffic is focus on the Amazon traffic that you can drive first and foremost, right? Amazon PPC, Amazon posts and the Amazon engagement emails that you can send out, right? Uh, focus on that first, then start layering on the external traffic levers, you know, Google ads, TikTok ads, the list goes on, Pinterest ads, the list goes on and on from there. Yep. And then last but not least would be to start expanding your sales channels, right? If you can say check on those first two takeaways, you're like, yep, been there, done that. 
then you can start considering, hey, now let's go into the other marketplaces, Walmart being probably the next best one and Etsy and eBay, so on and so forth. But maximize first your all the levers on Amazon, because I think what you said really succinctly at the beginning is if you don't and now you're trying to optimize content on two different marketplaces, you've just effectively doubled your workload. Um, and so I think it's so important. So, Steve, how do you feel like I did in, in summing this up? I think it was a good job, Josh. Thank you. All right. Steve, there's one other thing that I forgot to ask you that I did want to ask you earlier was in terms of tracking all these metrics, impressions, click-through rate, conversion rate, uh, there's a lot of data to be had in Amazon. It lives in a lot of different places. Do you use any tools to kind of aggregate that data and make it easier to see? Yeah, so um, we, we use a bunch of different third-party tools, but I don't say any of them are, are – most of them have a good snapshot of current state. What we generally do is export a lot of that information and look at it in our own Excel spreadsheets so we can see pattern trends over time. I think that's okay. the most critical thing that people fail to do is – Maybe now your conversion rate's at 15%, but a month ago it was at 18%. You may not actually pay attention to that, the fact that it went down, but if you see it on a trend line with a chart, for example, and you can see, boy, this is, this is a pattern of something that I need to, I need to pay attention to. What's going on here? Um, that's most critical, and I find that you know exporting the data and slicing and dicing it yourself is, at this point, uh, the most effective manner to, to, to really analyze your business. Perfect. That's good to know. All right, by Steve. The way, by yeah, the way, just on an analytics standpoint, I'll just call out, make sure you're using brand analytics. There's a lot of great information in there that a lot of people do not fully utilize. And from a third-party tool, everybody knows the, the Helium 10s of the world and so forth, which are great. We love using them. Um, but one uh, kind of bonus tool that I'd recommend you try is called Nozzle.ai. And if you're if you're selling a commodity, something that people are buying again and again, that tool charges a very minimal fee. And by the way, there's no association between us and them. Uh, they charge a very minimal fee. I think it's like $77 a month. But they pull in the last two years of data and show you how customers have continuously bought again and again or, of your brand. So what's the repeat purchase rates? What's the, uh, the average, I mean, the lifetime value of the customer? And to me, that opens up the door to understand how much can I truly invest in new customer acquisition. And it also really helps you understand of all the efforts you're doing, what is driving new customer acquisition? Because that should be your, your biggest focal point is, am I getting more and more customers? And then once I have the customer, am I nurturing those customers? And if you have an e-commerce website, you're actually able to do that in a more meaningful way. Um, so just I love that. You're, you're the second person to recommend Nozzle this week. Um, so there, there, there must be something to it. Yeah, I had never heard about it. And then all of a sudden uh, this week, I've got two people recommending it. So oh, something people should be paying attention to, which is great. Yeah. Uh, all right, Steve. So last final questions here. What's been the most influential book that you've read and why? The Bible, and uh, because that's what we—that's what it's all about. Hey, I would uh, echo that as well. I, I would agree with you there. Let's go with the next question. What is your favorite productivity tool or resource? Productivity tool or resource? That's a good question. 
you know, from a standpoint, I would say Helium 10 is the most valuable tool that we use because it does so much, uh, you know, keyword tracking and, you know, uh, uh, research for competitive analysis and, and everything else. I would say it's probably the, the one tool that I would say every seller has to have in their tool book. Um, and, and that really adds a lot of productivity when, you, when you've got so many tools at your disposal. It's true. Pro- Helium 10 has a lot of tools and it does save you a lot of time compared to yeah. manually having to do many of the things that they can automate for you. That's true. Uh, awesome. All right. Last question, Steve, who is somebody that you admire or respect the most in the e-commerce space and why should uh, sellers be paying attention to them? So um, probably the person I admire the most in the Amazon space, I'll say Amazon specifically, is James Thompson, the, the gentleman that I used to work with at Amazon that founded the Prosper Show. Mm. And I believe that um, he's a, uh, a quiet leader, someone that's really helped change the industry. I mean, he, started, he founded the Prosper Show, and that was really a, a lead into getting more and more sellers engaged in community and helping them understand what is out there. Uh, and from a tool standpoint, you know, helping gather knowledge from uh, various, you know, knowledge sources and, and rallying everybody together to say we can we can really leverage Amazon to, to uh, help businesses grow. And he's a good gentleman that's not in the spotlight a lot, but uh, I have a lot of admiration for him. Yeah, that's great. And the Prosper Show, I think, is, is very well known. I attended that last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a great conference, great place to come meet up and meet other really experienced sellers and to kind of rub shoulders. It's, it's conversations like these um, where your mind starts to open. And uh, so Steve, I'm glad we met ourselves at a conference and you know, it's relationships like these that, that start to make changes in your business. So I echo all of that. Well, Mm -hmm. Steve, where can people go to learn more about you, to follow you? If they want to hire you, where should they be going? Sure. Uh, Primeguidance.com is our website. And you can reach out to us at 972-885-9262. You can also find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and so forth. Um, Just search for Prime Guidance. Awesome. Thanks again again for having us, um, Josh. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for your time again today, Stephen. Take care. Thanks. Take care. Thank you for listening. Visit ecombreakthrough.com for more information. If you've enjoyed today's episode, the best way you can show your appreciation is by clicking the subscribe button and quickly leaving a review. See you again next time.